I thought, this is really the problem. You know, they have all the good intentions in the world, they just don't know how to not create things that are like that and still tell a story. So um, it's up to those of us who are aware of it and who are the storytellers in the industry to sort of set the example and start changing things. And, and this conversation we're having at PAX, I hope is, is the beginning of that and we're gonna see more of it. I mean, games are getting better, obviously. Right. It may not always seem like it, but uh, when people talk about the stories I write, I'm always listening. I'm always looking at the feedback, analyzing it, trying to think about uh, better ways to communicate my ideas, my thoughts, my feelings, my reactions to video games and the industry that encompasses it uh, in a better way. And I have not shied away from writing about misogyny and sexism and, and other I hate calling them hot-button topics because I think they need to be discussed. They should be discussed, and they're worth discussing. Um, but I've always been the person that's sort of been expressing my opinion. I've always been the person saying, ah, this sucks or this is bad, and here's why I feel that way. Um, and I feel like there's an opportunity to go out into the world, talk to people that have you know, maybe similar viewpoints as me, but it's not me, uh, and let those people speak and let those people be heard. Um, and so I tried to take advantage of that at PAX this year. There was an interview that went up with Samantha Coleman uh, discussing uh, more inclusivity in games and what that means and, and how we get there and, and what that means as we go down that road. Uh, and then I also had an opportunity to chat with uh, Anna McGill, who is uh, a narrator designer on Murdered Soul Suspect, an upcoming game from Square Enix. Uh, it's a fascinating game. It's sort of like a 3D uh, ghost trick, I guess is how I would describe it. She also... Uh, did narrative work on Guild Wars 2 and has been involved in the games industry for a long time, working on various Nintendo projects um, and, and, other, and other games. And she had a panel at PAX called Everything We Know is Sexist, Now What?, which included a broad range of games writers, uh, both male and female, uh, to discuss an ongoing issue that they deal with in the writer's room. Uh, and they, well, you know, I'll throw it over. Uh, to, to our interview, but we, we talk about the panel a little bit, we talk about uh, some of the topics they came up, uh, and we talk about our individual reactions to this ongoing conversation, and uh, I appreciated the people who were patient in the comments uh, when uh, I had my interview up with Samantha Coleman, and, uh, and I hope you'll be patient here too, uh, so that we can try and have a dialogue uh, instead of just shouting at each other. Thanks. Okay. Um, so I'll just turn this on. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, keep, keep yeah. going. So the exciting thing about our panel is that we've reached a point in this discussion discussion where we're not trying to convince people that there is a problem anymore. People know there's a problem. People are talking about it. And what we're talking about now is how do we fix it? How do we go about changing things? And so my panel focused on concrete, practical solutions as creators for getting diversity into video games, for making more interesting stories, and for, for handling people who are going to fight back against these changes being instituted. So that's what we tried to address and hopefully it was well received and people learned something and are able to put that into practice. What were some of the topics of discussion that, that kind of came up during during the panel? 
Uh, we did a quick overview of, you know, is there a problem? You know, how does it manifest itself? You know, we covered that for like maybe 20 minutes. But then we asked people to do things like check their assumptions. And we, we took a, a clicker and we counted how many people came into the, the theater and then how many of them were men and how many were women. And we asked people to look around and say, well, would you say the audience is 50-50 men and women? Are there more men? Are there more women? And most people thought it was 50-50. And it was actually you know, three to five in favor of men, um, which aligns very nicely with that study that the Gina Davis Institute about media and gender concluded, that when there's 17% of women's voices being heard or women in the room, men perceive that as being fair. They see it as being 50-50. And if there's 33%, men feel overwhelmed, like they're outnumbered by the women. And that seems to play out in movies and in, you know, the... Uh, the makeup of women in engineering and male dom like the STEM careers. And so we think maybe part of the problem is just our perception. Like we've just gotten so used to that that it seems normal like, now. Oh, there's, a, there's a woman around, so. It feels like 50%. Equal. <laughs> it, see, it seems fair, and it's only when you start doing the actual metrics that you realize it's not. So um, check your assumptions, run your work by people who are different than you. You know, if you're a man and you're trying to write a woman and you're like, oh, I don't know how to do that, you know, go talk to a woman. <laughs> you know, it seems simple, but, you know. There's a lot of them out there, I hear. You know, it's, it's what people tell rumor. me. It's a rumor. It's vicious. But, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Get people to vet your work. If you aren't an expert on it, find someone who is. Educate yourself. You know, just very simple, practical solutions people can use every day to, to make their work better and richer. So. What was some of the... When you get to the Q&A portion, which can be, you know, the dicey part of any panel, whether you're talking about a controversial topic or not, like how, how, how did that part of it go? We actually didn't get q and I'm a little embarrassed because oh. <laughs> we're all writers and we talk a lot. We like, we like to hear ourselves talk. But they were kind enough to give us a room afterwards um, okay. so people could come and talk. And it was mostly people who wanted to hear more about it. It was a very self-selected audience at that point. But it seemed to be generally... Um, I didn't feel like there was much contention. Like I saw a lot of people in the audience nodding their heads and agreeing. So I do think people have reached the point where they're just desperate for solutions to this problem. They recognize that it's there, but no one really knows how to fix it. Um, and I, I mean, I should tell you the the spark for this panel. Um, what made me decide that I wanted to gather a group of people together and talk about this and, and bring it to PAX was an incident at my job where. I was talking to the NPC group, and they, the, the ones who place the ambient NPCs around. And Airtight is a really, you know, gender equality conscious place. They hire a lot of women. They have women in positions of authority. We're very conscious in the game and in the workplace of trying to make things fair. And these guys, who are all not sexist people, were just throwing out sexist idea after sexist idea because that's all they knew. And they weren't aware that they were doing it. And I thought, this is really the problem. You know, they have all the good intentions in the world. They just don't know how to not create things that are like that and still tell a story. So um, it's up to those of us who are aware of it and who are the storytellers in the industry to sort of set the example and start changing things. And this conversation we're having at PAX, I hope, is, is the beginning of that. And we're going to see more of it. I mean, games are getting better, obviously. Right. You know, The Last of Us, and you know, they rebooted Lara Croft. So you see these attempts to make the female characters more interesting, to get greater diversity into games. You know, it's not just about women, it's about everyone being represented. You know, LGBT people, people of different races and sexualities and everything. So hopefully people will start. I'm going to keep coming back to that point because it's, it's all about the starting point. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you know, before I turned this on, we were, we were talking about how when you get bogged down in the things that haven't happened yet, it's very easy to forget how much 
progress there has been because it's a lot has happened in in just the last five years alone. Absolutely. Even in the past year, like you couldn't have the conversations at PAX last year that we're having this year. I think the one reason why Twitter tag brought a lot of these things that have been sort of simmering, like brought them to the surface and made it an industry-wide conversation instead of just people in little isolated patches talking here and there, suddenly everyone was talking about it. Everyone saw the problem. And whether they liked it or not, they got pulled into this discourse about it. So yeah, I, I mean, things, things are improving. And the atmosphere at PAX this year, compared to the past few years that I've been here, it's so different. I just came from the, it's a, the gender diversity panel. I'm trying to think of the actual name of it. It's the other one that ended in, now what, <laughs> like ours. Um, but they were talking about you know, the transgender community and people of different sexualities, and it was mostly journalists talking about how they moderate their sites. And uh, they were saying that they, they wouldn't have been able to talk so freely and openly about sexuality the way that they have this year, that they in particular have felt this enormous sea change in the industry where they're not afraid anymore. You know, they're not afraid for their jobs to come out and talk about these things. They're not afraid that they're going to lose work if they bring their personal life in with them. And where they can talk about these things in the comment sections on websites, and they're not going to get turned away, not just by, you know, people in the comments, but by the, the website itself. It's going to ignore them or marginalize them or, or silence them. And I, I think that's remarkable that we have reached a point in this industry because I don't see too many other industries out there having this kind of discussion. I, you know what, I've had that exact same comment with a number of people where I, where I wondered, is it just that I don't pay attention to other industries yeah. as much? But it's like, I pay attention to film and some other stuff pretty yeah. closely, and I don't see any other industry that looks so introspectively about how it treats gender representation and inequality and inclusion the way that video games do. Agreed, and it and seems so willing to institute the changes. You know, I. A lot of it is about the bottom line, obviously, but I mean, I think the industry itself and the people who make those decisions are starting to realize that it's not going to affect their their money. I think, in fact, it will increase their, their market. So maybe we've done the legwork and, you know, got the figures to prove that to them, and that hasn't been done in other industries. I don't know, but um, like the Gina Davis Institute for Gender and Media has been doing research on like Hollywood, like the representation of women in Hollywood, and things are actually getting worse there, and people aren't talking about it. And it's it's really strange to see her as like this lone voice of reason, going, "Hey, what's going on? Why aren't you guys? You know, why are there so few women's roles in films?" Um, while you see that just increasing in the games industry. So I don't know. I don't know why it's more in ours than in others. I mean, it makes me happy to be part of this industry, like because yeah. it is it is really engaging to have those conversations and to kind of have these thought experiments. But it's it's interesting to watch how this conversation has developed too because I think sort of a common thread of when you see sort of the pushback you get in the, in the comments and things like that or mm -hmm. I think you know people deeply love the, the people that even get are getting upset they so deeply love games I feel like they f they feel like it's gonna be taken away from them if these changes are implemented and that's that's not what any of that is about at least right. as far as the people I have talked to that is not what they want to see right. I, I think a lot of people view it as a as a zero-sum game, you know, if more goes to them, then we lose some, which is, is quite clearly not true. It's not like they're ever going to stop making shooters, you know. Right. You know, And we put up a, a graph today that showed as there has been this greater diversity in games, there have actually been more shooters and more games made for the core group than ever before. It just means there's more games for everybody in addition to that. And I think what I see a lot in these comments is just a real fear that we're going to try to take their toys away from them. You know, they like their toys, they're happy, and they're... 
they're terrified that they're going to somehow lose that and they're all going to end up playing My Little Pony somehow. And, you know, I think the more you can reassure people that that's not the case and the more they themselves see that that's not the case, it, it's going to be a lot easier. I, I hear guys who are at least open to talking about it now. Like, they may come in with all this, you know, men's rights activist kind of ranting, but if you can calm them down and start talking about it and discover what's really going on underneath it, it's usually just... I like I like this kind of game and you know I don't want to play the kind of game you're describing why can't I just have my game and I'm like it's okay to like that kind of game that's what you like and play your game but why can't I have a game that I like too so and they seem open to that like once it's all explained I'm sorry <laughs> beat you up um, so I I think that's changed too it's not this just closed wall I mean there's still a lot of that the boys club stuff I mean look at the Anita Sarkeesian thing and you know, any woman who... I feel, I feel like her critics are doing her job for her at this point. I was like, guys, if this wouldn't be as big of a thing if you stopped making it as big of a thing. Yeah, they, they made her who she is. I mean, her Kickstarter would have come and gone with, with few ripples if they hadn't attacked her. And uh, I, I see them very upset. Like, why is everyone putting so much weight on the things that she says? You know, why is she so important? She doesn't speak for us. I'm like, you made her. You know, you created this monster. So... That's why people are paying attention to it, because you were so afraid of her that people thought she must have something meaningful and important to say. So now she does. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting because I think as games are sort of like growing up and its creators are maturing and people want to have something more to say, I think there is certainly part of the crowd that at the end of the day they're like, well, these are just games, right? And so there's they get bothered by even entertaining the concept that we are having these larger discussions that they get uncomfortable and challenge our preconceived notions and ch you know challenge your biases that you've had your whole life yeah. when they're just like well look, I just like playing games like I don't want to think about these things and what's problematic for me is like that's fine like yeah. you can that's but uh -huh. it's then when you take that a step further and then uh -huh. want to stop people from having that conversation just uh -huh. because you don't you don't want to right um, yeah I, I think it's that I, I'm detecting a little bit of a, a interest on your part. What do you feel about this? How do you feel about the diversity that you see creeping into these games? Oh, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's it doesn't change the experiences and it builds empathy. Like, games are so uniquely mm -hmm. created to allow empathy, to understand people's perspectives, to understand perspectives that you aren't your own. And like, that's I want more out of that, right. out of games. Like, I love watching, you know, playing games in the queer space, like Dysphoria and like what Anna Anthropy does uh -huh. and Porpatine. Like, there's so much interesting stuff going on that, and I can understand their worldviews and their life perspectives that I wouldn't get any other way. And games are so uniquely made to do that. And so I, you know, I want to see more of that stuff and I want to see, like, you know, more people able to play games that represent themselves and their life experience in a way that, you know, as a, you know, white male dude, everything's made for me. Right. And and yeah. on, and that gets boring after a while. Yeah. Like that's that's how I feel about that. Yeah, and I mean that was another point from our panel is that there's this rich world of experience that as a creator you want to have access to and if you are limiting yourself to this one point of view which is the straight white male point of view which we have been writing from for the past 2,000 years plus I it's hard to find something to say that's fresh there 
Whereas, you know, if you just flip it around a little bit and start thinking about the possibilities of making your character gay or a person of color or a woman, instantly all these other possibilities open up and the story almost writes itself. And at the very least, at the end of the day, it's going to be something that hasn't been told a million times before and that alone is refreshing. And, and that's what we as, as writers on the panel wanted to impress upon people the most that it's it's all about creating something new something surprising because i look out there at the games that are available and i there's not a lot that i'm excited about anymore i feel like i already know how the story's going to go <laughs> i already pretty much know what the game mechanics are going to be and it's really hard to get excited about it you know and so these smaller games that you're talking about where people are offering refreshing points of view or a different game experience like a game doesn't necessarily have to be fun you know, it doesn't make you laugh or it doesn't make you kill things. It can just make you think or... or well, Schindler's List isn't fun, but that's, I'm, you know, so grateful that Schindler's List exists. And I think, you know, that's, that's new to games is this idea of, like, challenging the definition of, of fun or the fun factor and that it doesn't, it doesn't have to be fun. You can get something different out of it that is satisfying but isn't like, man, I had such a great time. Right, and you don't even have to kill things. I think sometimes, I mean, as we're redefining what it means to play a game, it can just be creating a mood in someone, you know? Sometimes I read a poem just because it, there's that sort of exquisite sadness you can get from reading certain things. I think some games should be like that. We have the power to tell amazing stories through this interactivity, and I feel like we've been wasting so much of it just by telling the same, this narrowly defined hero's journey over and over again. So... You know, we had Journey, it was magnificent, I loved it, we stripped it down, let's move on. To, you know, it's perfected now, let's move on and start telling different stories. Um, what was the game that just came out about exploring, like, home? Gone, gone, gone Home. Gone Home, I haven't played that yet, but I'm... Oh, you, you, there's, you are exactly the type of person that will, that will, that will love what, they, what they've done with yeah, that. And, and, it's, and it's a perfect example of, you know, I mean, the game's set in, like, 1995. Like, yeah. it's, it's, and games are so uniquely suited to let you explore a space and come to understand that space in a way that you just you can't do anywhere else and 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 that is is super interesting to me yeah i mean everything i've heard about it it's it's all about your relationship with someone who's not there and you're wandering around the house interacting with things and it's all about just the a feeling that you get this almost like melancholy feeling of wandering around the house that's exactly the kind of thing i'm talking about it just as long as it tells a simple story and and produces a response from the listener or the player in this case success that's what it needs to be and it doesn't need to be more than that you don't have to have this whole hero's arc and you know have this moment of you know reconciliation with the father or any of these other things that we feel have to be like little boxes ticked off anymore I, I'd really like to see us drop the three-act play a little bit and start exploring and experimenting more with games you know and just it's a young medium to be so hidebound I guess is my problem with it. How did we get so trapped so quickly? I mean, right. at least it took Hollywood a while to fall <laughs> into these these patterns, but we seem to, to get there so fast. So, you know, w let's see what happens. I I hope something sparked. So you're you're a writer on Murdered Soul Suspect, right? I'm the narrative designer on it. Yeah. So, so how does all of this stuff? How is this like played into to, to working on that game? Um, I can't actually talk about the game. <laughs> no big surprise. Um, I have a really ridiculous NDA for it. I guess you know, it's sort of vaguely like how 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 have your experiences and lessons in this kind of like played into 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 to this project? Um, this is a, a different kind of project. I mean, I, I have to say that um, 
this has been a, a creative challenge for me. Shiokawa-san, the, the creative director on this, this is very much his story and his game, and he has complete control of this project. So for me, the challenge has been getting these ideas in sort of into the spaces of his vision for this game, because it is, he has a very powerful vision for it, and our job has been to help realize that. So it's just trying to take something that he, let's say he wants to make a point, mm -hmm. and he has a certain idea of how these characters should interact to make that point. My job has been to take something that might be a little sexist or might not be something that would be well received in the West or you know some something like that and try to switch it around to make it more interesting um, to tell the story in a way that might not have occurred to him um, so those that that's been the challenging part like just taking what he wants and making it work with my ideas about how to tell stories um, but at the end of the day I mean he's the creative director so and he has an unusual amount of control over this this story yeah w which he himself has said in many interviews you know this is my vision and, <laughs> and everyone else has been following it and it's absolutely true um, but like like the NPC example that I was talking about you know the the world itself we've been telling a lot of stories in there and I showed an example of uh, there were these poker players and uh, they all had names and they were playing poker and it was like guys poker night and then there was a woman who was bringing them food and she was called woman and it was like the worst <laughs> most horrifying thing you can think of and so we were able to take that scenario and switch it up you know just to do some obvious gender flipping you know and had a female card player like kicking the butts of the guys she was playing against and have a guy there standing a little bit off to the side watching it getting very disgruntled that this woman was winning and you know, even though it's a scene you're probably going to walk by and not spend more than a minute with in this game, it's already a richer, more interesting story, and the dynamics just between those characters are, are much more, I think, compelling than just walking by and be like, oh, boys poker night, and it's dismissed. Now it's like, what's going on here? Oh, the woman's beating them. That guy is not happy. I mean, even just that minor level of complexity, already you're telling a better story. So finding those small moments in which to express it has been, has been the fun part. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thanks. I, this was a.